Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasts with a flat rate for ad space so you can always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podco.com at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast blog access 101 in the how did you hear about podcast Podgo section of the application. Welcome to Blog Access 101 Podcast. Follow us on social media at Blog Access 101 on Twitter and Instagram. Special shout out to our sponsor, Hibachi Productions. Use our discount code Blog Access 101 on HibachiProductions.com to get 20% off. All right, welcome back to Blog Access 101. I'm your host, Young Hibachi. Follow us on social media at Blog Access 101 on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Blog Access 101 on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have Apple Podcasts, write a review after you listen to the episode and subscribe. I'm here today with a special guest, uh, Nicole Leach. Uh, she's a general counsel for the Dallas Mavericks. What's up, Nicole? Hey, how are you? Associate general counsel, just so that no one confuses me with my boss. But yeah. <laughs> uh, my fault, my fault. <laughs> it's a compliment. The general counsel is one up, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first off, just give a brief introduction of what made you want to get into the sports world, um, how you got your foot in the door, and what you do now. So yeah. So right now I'm associate general counsel. Um, I used to be an athlete. I competed professionally in track and field for a few years. I had been running track since a little kid. I played sports all my life. So as I've gotten older and you see, you know, more of sports when you get that experience of the business side, I realized I want to stay in sports. And, you know, hopefully when I was done competing and it did happen for me that I was able to transition to what we call the business of sports. And just like any other person, it's just a fun industry to be in, to watch, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some of the perks and incentives are great. Uh, now working with the Mavs, I get to go to games. I have access to, you know, the sports and some of the entertainment industry that I didn't have, even when I was just competing, I didn't even really have that type of access. So, you know, there's no really super deep reason other than I was already involved in sports. Um, I saw a route on the other side of sports where I can create a career long-term and then just, you know, all the excitement that any person who was probably living on earth has towards sports and entertainment. It's just like, it's just great. And awesome. Um, how'd I get my foot in the door? I do believe my sports background um, helped. And I will say tremendously, but I'll be honest, it's not so much the sports background and the fact that I'm working in sports, but just the unique background of mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it helps that my unique background is the exact same industry <laughs> that I'm in. But, uh, you know, even someone who I believe is like, a musician, a musician or a singer or artist who's come up in, you know, the entertainment world and has that access to, because sports and entertainment are very similar. When you get into it, there's some really specific differences, but the overall um, structure of the two industries, very similar. And there's transferable skills on both sides. So anyone who just has like a really unique background in an industry um, likely can break in through that door. For me, it was, you know, the background in sports. And then the other thing is who you know. 
uh, and I say this, like, I know so many preach who, you know, who, you know, who, you know, but I mean, even during a time frame when I was a kid, there are names that I can authentically mention now on the business side of sports, even in basketball, mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, you know, so-and-so. And then all of a sudden the conversation just shifted and I can tell that I'm looked at just a little differently. Um, not that I was looked at bad before then, but like I could just organically, you know, talk about a day at dinner with X and depending on who I'm talking to, it automatically gives me. So it it is, and I'm not saying name drop, and notice I said, you know, authentically, I can drop these names. These are people that I genuinely just got to know um, over life. Um, it helps. So networking is important. You know, remembering all the people, how you treat people early on, all of that is key and important. Um, specifically, how I got my foot in the door was a combination of those two things and working uh, working with people who eventually got a job. I had um, I had, I worked with my boss prior to him working here at the Mavs and he got to see me work, you know? So he was able to make that assessment. And when the time came for him to have to hire someone, you know, I got the call saying, this position's open, should go after it type of thing. So you never know. I didn't know years before then that that was gonna happen. So you gotta like, you know, put your best foot forward. So that's that combination of, you knew I was involved in sports. I knew him organically from a previous work um, situation and it just kind of developed without me even really going to seek it. So, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, like I said, yeah, like it's, it's very key with always who you know and also keeping relationships with the people that you work with before, but you never know if they might end up in another position that end up benefiting you. So that's why I try to tell yeah. my old students before. like. Mm-hmm. And there's that saying, like, you never know who's watching, right? Right. <laughs> that's really what it was. Early on, when I worked with him, I was junior. I was much junior than he was at the um, law firm that we were working at. But I would always want to work on his assignments because he was getting like a lot of great exposure. I was like, any way I can help. He was working in that practice group that I wanted to be in. And he saw that drive and motivation, even if I wasn't amazing at that point in time. I was really young in my legal career. So I'm sure I made mistakes and he saw me make mistakes, but it was, you know, it might've just been the effort or maybe, you know, me making the mistake and not making it again. You know, you never know. Like you sometimes are interviewing even when you're not in the interview. <laughs> yep. So as soon as you walk in that little inter- internship, it's like a basic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so what are some barriers you face as a woman uh, working in the sports world? Uh, you know, this is a really good, really good question. I'm going to say I am blessed in this area. I know and I have experienced the um, male versus female uh situationships I'll say (laughs) not just in sports but just in general I think um but I I don't think I've experienced a ton of I haven't had too many I haven't had any horror stories like I don't walk in day-to-day concerned about being a woman especially not at the Mavericks our CEO is the first black female CEO in the NBA so you can already imagine that you know diversity, inclusion, all of that is just looks a lot different at the Mavs. It is at, is one of the priorities. I think our department heads, we are 50-50 on men, maybe 49-51 men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, our CMO is a female, our head of HR is a female, our head of um, 
PR over on the basketball side is, you know, we have female assistant coaches. So I don't really experience it heavy where I am. You can say, you know, I'm in somewhat of a very unique bubble. Um, but I think the areas that the barriers that I saw was just trying to find a mentor that looked like me and starting with just female. And then, you know, you get to all the other things, ethnicity, et cetera. Um, I think that was the biggest barrier for me is that my route right now, mm -hmm. and it's okay that it was because of a male, but it's just a different level of disconnect. <laughs> you know, when, um, when you have, yeah, when the, the mentor doesn't exactly look like you. Sometimes it's good, you know, you get a different perspective, but it's, it's hard to see you, or I shouldn't say it's hard. It's not as easy to see me in the role when I know all the people, you know, above me are males. It's just kind of like, okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a project, like you're like, all right, well, how am I gonna get here? If I was, but then, yeah, I see what you're saying, you know, yeah. you know somebody look like you in that position that you want to get into. Yeah, it just, it, it makes you think that you may have to do something a little extra, right? It's right. like, well, you got a seat at the table. You got a seat at that table. None of these people at the table are female. <laughs> so either it's just really scary because you may be the first, <laughs> you know, or it's like, is this really going to happen? Um, I think that's the biggest barrier is trying to have the foresight in your career, knowing that people you who are mentoring you and the people who are coming before you are really all males. Yeah, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say nerve-wracking, just like, hopefully they continue to get more women in higher position in sports. Um, I think it's starting to happen. Hopefully it continues. Um, yeah, it's definitely growing for sure. That's why I say I'm kind of blessed. I wasn't, you know, I'm young enough to where I can only imagine what it may have been like in the 90s. Yeah, it probably was out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, is, what is some advice you would give your younger, uh, younger women looking to get into the sports world? Um, don't give up. I know that's really generic, but that's very true. Uh, in any area, there are programs now that are gearing towards young females in sports because there has been a huge drop off. Studies have shown that there's like huge drop offs of girls between that like 12 to 14 age range who are just quitting sports. Um, a lot of it, I do believe is because of representation, also just knowledge. Um, but you got to kind of like not give up and you have to be your own motivator. And that's for everyone, no matter what you look like, but girls specifically, like I said, you know, my mentors right now, very few, I shouldn't say very few of them, but in the actual business side of sports, there aren't that many women. Therefore, you know, if you know that's something you want to do and you've gotten a little insight into it, um, you got to motivate yourself to stick with it, even though you may not find like that perfect person who can guide you through at every step. So you got to be your own motivator. When the times look really bleak, you got to remind yourself you can do it. You can do it. That that to me is like crucial. Real talk. Uh, who's your role model to someone that you look up to? I know you uh, your, uh, well, current boss, but. Yeah, um, a lot of people, <laughs> almost everyone in my life, but not to go down like a long list of, you know, we can go into like family, parents, for sure, absolutely, still to this day and always. Um, there is there is a female woman, uh, Jackie Jordan-Kersey is someone that I have grown to know, my experience. I ran track at UCLA, so I got to know her then. She's an alumni. Um, 
her husband was, yeah, was my coach, or I should say is still my coach because technically I still speak to him to this day and her as well. Uh, but just, she is able to just provide like life gems that don't even sound like it's work related or sports related or training related or health related, but she's seen so much because of the time frame that she came up in. Um, so she is my number one role model. If I put aside, you know, the classic parents, you know, people that you just work with, et cetera. If I had to really think of someone objectively who has come into my life kind of just organically, not through, you know, family or something, it would be Jackie Turner Kirsten. That's a great role model right there. <laughs> and I, I, I agree. Like so you get access to somebody like that, they've got to, you've got to play as a domestic role model. But she lives up to it. She does. That's definitely. Um, what is, what, what is your dream job in the sports world? I think you kind of touched on it, but. Uh, you know, I'm not sure yet. And it's funny because if you would have asked me in high school, it would have been to own the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> that is no longer my dream job. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, it evolves, um, and it's gotten a lot more different. And then eventually at, when I was in law school, it was to be where I am right now general counsel of, and I would say a, a professional team um, or a uh, sports agency mm-hmm. or a shoe company, one of those, you know, sports apparel companies. I wanted to be general counsel of one of those three. All right, now I'm technically associate general counsel, but, you know, I, I have at least broken into that small group of individuals. And now that I'm here, you know, as should be for everyone, you just, each level you get to is like, okay, I want a little more now. Like, what's the next, what's the next step? So I, I am at that place where um, I've only been at the mass for two years and five months, going on five months. Um, Congratulations. I'm not super, thank you. Not super long, but long enough to start to, you know, just to start to think about, okay, you know, what, what does the next level look like? I'll be honest, you know, there's a route where I could stay right here just because I do love my day to day so much. Um, I love this organization. Dallas has turned out to be a great city. Uh, We'll put the state of Texas aside, but (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, if I had to go somewhere, if I had to think of another position that I've grown keen to, it would be further down the road, maybe less legal, more sports marketing related. Yes, yeah, I, I think I did see something about you with marketing. Uh, what would you, what would it be like in, in reference with sports marketing, like the, the president of VP or? <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever the highest title is, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I, I like the, I'm starting to learn one of the things when I think back of when I was competing, I like the hands on recruiting aspect of athletes to uh, whether it was a team or a shoe company, in my experience, it would have been a shoe company because we didn't really have teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, uh, here's an example. Like, who recruited Kevin Durant to Nike? Kobe Bryant to Nike? Signed that deal, negotiated that deal, and is, you know, um, working that, you know, that deal throughout it, et cetera. Those roles have become very interesting to me, I would say. Yeah, that's gonna be lit. Like I remember, I remember one time. Uh, I think yeah, Nike had messed something up. I guess the marketing team trying to get Steph 
and they spelled his name wrong. That's how he ended up in Under Armour. I was like, damn, I know they got fired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then there's those. And yeah, and that's a huge team from top to bottom. But, you know, obviously somebody is ahead. There's, you know, sports marketing from the actual endorsement perspective. Not that I, I'm not interested in just the general marketing perspective from, you know, the billboards, the commercials, the, the ad campaigns, social media campaigns. Definitely love that. And considering, you know, where we are as a world right now, where there's so much going on socially, um, that actually is becoming lightning. But I, 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 I've seen a growing itch for being in a marketing role. And I do think that's common for most in-house attorneys. <laughs> I've heard no matter what industry you're in I hear it's like oh marketing marketing <laughs> so yeah if I had to like the gym to open in any field that's why we're telling kids like man you might want to get into marketing if you, and then yeah. up what you want to do mm-hmm. uh, what, was the, what was the greatest moment uh working in sports with mm, the greatest moment working in sports so far I'll say um when I got, oh, okay. <laughs> Just one great moment? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, my greatest moment working in sports would have to be my first season here at the Mavs. I came in the middle of the 2018-19 season, and it was Dirk's last season. Oh, man. Yeah, and we had to put on, I should say we had to. We did have to. It was, we were going to, had to, all those. Um, it was going to be his last home game. What was that going to look like? And it was an event. It was 41-21-1, which is um, he's number 41, 21 seasons, one team. That's what it stood for. That was kind of the theme of the night. And there were so many different pieces going on. And prior to me wanting to really be an in-house counsel for a sports team, I wanted to do events like um, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. I do have a very – I love working on um, – large events where there's like tons of contracts involved and they all kind of have to like coordinate and relate to each other. I love the challenge. It's very much like a puzzle and I love puzzles. So that last game kind of working on all the different pieces that were going to happen in the game, the different agreements and watching that come to fruition and being there that night. We had Charles Barkley come, um, Scottie Pippen came and spoke, who else was there? Uh, it was just a slew of great talent, a little bit of entertainment after the game. It was also a great game. Uh, yeah, it was exciting. That that probably was my greatest moment in sports, where I got to see a project from start to finish, work on it in the industry that I love. And then it was amazing. And it was also just a legendary just event and moment for the sport, the city, and the team. Okay, okay, it's pretty lit. Yeah, I know that joint was a set, right? A good, a night good and sad day with Dirk about to retire. Yeah. yeah, Dirk is, I didn't realize it really until I got down here. Dirk is the man, and, and rightfully so in Dallas. You know, he they he brought a championship here. Yeah, he developed his game tremendously, opened up the door for a lot of uh, European players, him for and, sure. and Tim Duncan. Um, what was your lowest moment working in the sports world? <laughs> Now I'm gonna go to the other side of working in sports. My lowest moment was hitting a hurdle in 2008 Olympic trials and not making the Olympic team that year. Um, and, and I hit a hurdle literally in the first round, a round that I shouldn't have even been close to hurdles. Um, I think that was my lowest moment. And it's a, 
it kind of like triggered a bunch of it, it set somewhat of a domino effect for additional lower moments the years after that because mentally I just was in a place that I didn't even realize I was in until like years later and looking back I was able to see that you know that really affected me in a way that um, I didn't know I was too young to recognize like you need to you know talk to a sports psychologist etc to get past that event you know being from Philly which is like okay shake it off it happened whatever we'll come back four years and get it done and it just it wasn't that. So that probably was the lowest moment for me, but the best teaching moment. Cause now when things go wrong, I take time to really sit down and figure out, you know, why it happened and whether I need to get help so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And I liked how you like, you know, a lot of athletes, professional or just college athletes in general, like a lot of them like have that issue of life dealing with life after sports. Like I know a couple of people like that that play ball in college and like still try to live like the basketball lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. But they just, you know, like with me, when I kept being injured, you know, you guys just got to branch out and find something else to give you like, like, like have value, like make yourself like, you know, you have value, but you, I, I'm trying to figure out what's the word. Like you, you like your typecast instead of just being an athlete, but you know, you're much more than just an athlete. Um, so I feel like a lot of people need to deal with that with the sports psychologist. A lot of people try to deal with it on their own. And it's just like a really a spiraling effect in their own personal life. And some people just get depressed because they're not living the life or that they had. But really, it can be a better life outside of that um, if you if you give it a chance to look into it. Yeah, if you like you said, you know, those small setbacks or big setbacks can help you see a new route. If for whatever reason that route has been dimmed, closed, or it can help you navigate that route better. Because I do believe. Um, like I was able to turn a little bit of uh, <laughs> lemons and lemonade with this and kind of just transition over. But had I taken the time then to really figure out, I always wonder, even now, as you know, if I was a little bit smarter or not even smarter, but just a little more <laughs> mature and taking a few steps after that race to really figure some things out right there in the moment. Do I make the world championship team the next year, you know? still get signed, but in a much better place and go on to make teams more often and more frequently after that than what actually happened. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, what what are some potential solutions to improve accessibility to careers in sports for women? I think that's still being developed. Well, there's there's the age old one that we've got to all do and which I have been trying to actively do. And it's funny because I haven't met a lot of females who really want to be on the business side of sports and maybe they just don't know it yet. But it is obviously the, you know, the reach back down type program, you know, um, once you found your spot at the table, go find somebody else who is like you or, you know, similar to you and bring them up, you know, especially if they deserve it. And there's plenty of people who deserve it or who at least just need a little bit of honing to get there. Um, a lot of us don't do that. Uh, you know, we are so focused on our own careers. We just keep moving forward. We never really, you know, look back to find someone else and mentor them and bring them through. Uh, that's the first thing that I think everyone can do a lot more of. Um, the other, I do think it's probably advertising. I had no idea what general counsel was when I, when I was in high school, when I was an undergrad. I started to learn when I was in law school, you know, and at that, that's not a late time to know. But when I got to law school, there were people who already knew 
years ahead of me. <laughs> so as much as I felt comfortable with learning, then I was still very much behind the curve. So, you know, I have a cousin who's actually applying to law school and I like to think, and I think it's true, you know, her seeing me go this route just created, oh, okay, that's an option now, right? Um, so, you know, the role models, the representation, I think that's what's important. You gotta go back to wherever or go somewhere in a community that looks like yours and show them that, hey, I'm this. I remember being in my third year of law school and going to a networking event and having this female on the panel. I was in LA at the time and she um, was like CEO, leader of this uh, private equity firm. And she was managing like some huge number of money, like maybe even billions of dollars. And I was next to someone who was at one of the top law firms in the world at the time. She's now a female partner, equity partner at that firm. And we both looked at each other and we were like, we had no idea that that was even a role. Like, you know, and at that point we were pretty much at the, she was well into her professional career. I was getting mine started and we still didn't even know of these other roles out there. So the representation, the knowledge earlier on matters because you can kind of set your, your path accordingly uh, much earlier. Yeah, most definitely. Oh uh, yeah, you never know who you're motivated with what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Young girls seeing females become officials in the NFL and the NBA, right? I never thought to be an official. Not because I didn't, well, I, I don't think I want to be and I don't want to be. But maybe if I was younger, if I saw that, who knows, right? Or maybe a friend of mine <laughs> may have wanted to take that route, but we didn't have that visual. It just just never crossed our mind because we just it just wasn't there. It's like when you, when you see something, you're like, oh, you know, I never thought about that. And then yeah. I might get into it. Uh, what, are, what are ways men can improve the environment in the sports world for women? Mm. It's a, a, a tough one. Um, it's almost like a question with a, kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement and Black people, you know, mm -hmm. right now there's, you know, white people are like, oh, educate us. And it's like, no, oh, educate yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, like, not that to say men are the oppressors, but technically that in this, in this scenario, that would be the case. It's like um, how I think, as I would say in the kind of like the racial, um, social issues is just, you guys start, men have to start widening their lenses we all have to get rid of our biases and assumptions. And I don't mean that it's like, okay, just stop being, you know, quote unquote, sexist. No, you gotta be able to see this person just blanketly when you first meet them, make zero assumptions. It's hard when, a, you know, a practice has happened, you know, just because I think example, just because a female cries or just because a female responds this way, you can't take it as a, oh, I know that to be X. I know that to be Y versus, okay, that happened. What does that mean? You know, she cried, she yelled, she got mad. What does that mean for her? Not what do you interpret that to be? Um, so it's more of just listening. Both widening their lenses and just listening versus just going with the traditional, you know, 
Yeah, especially because, you know, men have a hard time listening to things. So, yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> yeah, especially when a woman's talking, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, but and, there, and it's really, it's not anyone's fault. It's just, it had been, been the routine for so long and, you know, old habits kind of die hard, especially when that was the training, right? So it'd be hard to kind of untrain and learn something new after such a long period of time. And there are some older men in the business who may not buy into that, who are still teaching those older ways that make it even harder. So um, yeah, I think they just gotta start listening to women uh, from their perspective versus listening to them from just like, oh, that means this in the world. No, what does this mean to this female right here? What about her makes this response different than she's angry, she's weak, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, most definitely, you know, men have had more emotion. <laughs> really. uh, but uh, last question, uh, what are your thoughts on equal pay? Overdue needs to happen ASAP, period. Yeah. I, I, I hear the, <laughs> the arguments in some areas that, you know, oh, but this one doesn't make as much money as the male. We also have an example of that. And everyone knows that that is the WNBA and BA argument. People like to shoot out on social media, but U.S. women's soccer is way more <laughs> popular and is ringing in the accolades, the, the tours, the excitement than U.S. men's soccer has in a long, I'm talking about going back to the Mia Hamm days in the nineties, but um, and the and the equal pay still was a struggle there, and I'm not even sure they're there yet. Um, they're getting they're probably the closest, uh, and I just use these two examples because this could happen in the industry. But the argument that oh they don't make as much money as this other group over here is just really funny because only in sports and in professional sports is the success of the outcomes, the results of success, typically directly tied to people's pay. Could you imagine if we did that all over in every industry, right? If AT&T if AT tanked, you tank too. But more specifically, if the marketing department didn't do well, then they, <laughs> they should get paid less. So it's just, to me, it's just such an unrealistic argument when you really get down to it. It's people who are just trying to like chip away at um, not wanting to do honestly what's right and more so not wanting to change. Um, there's no reason that a male and a female doing the same thing shouldn't get paid the same amount of money. Yeah, especially when you put about the same amount of hours and if not more. And then exactly. And that's the biggest thing is like, okay, well, are you paying these people to come work or are you paying these people to, you know, increase the, the kind of like royalties or the income on the back end? Because if that is the structure, then everything should kind of change, right? Like <laughs> everybody needs to get a cut on the back end if that's what you're paying me to do. Um, so yeah, I, overdue needs to happen ASAP. Um, it's not going to happen fast, but as soon as, you know, the structures can put in and, and the money and funds is there, they need to be there. And I don't want to confuse people on the WNBA, NBA kind of relationship because, um, they are under the same umbrella, but sit separately. But I think to the extent at, at the base level, there needs to be equity, right? There are incentives for people who will see achieve certain achievements, but the flat line is 
everybody comes to work this many days, this many hours. So the minimum should be X across the board. It's definitely, hopefully, I mean, it starts gets to that point where, you know, you got people don't have to fight for it to get equal pay and it just automatically happens. But, you know, obviously that's a snowball effect. It's going to take a while. Hopefully yeah. it reaches where it needs to be uh, reached. Yeah. And with every change, it's got to be done right so that it, it lasts, right? Definitely. You think I'm like, you think I'm like trying to lose weight. You can just, all right, tomorrow I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to eat chicken. I'm not going to eat fish. You know, I'm not going to eat all this stuff. I'm just going to do these three things over here, just veggies. Right. It's it good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By next week, you'll probably have a chicken sandwich from Popeye. So, <laughs> you know, and wanting change and demanding change typically has to come with understanding that it'll happen over time. But every day, you got to be like moving a centimeter or a half a, you just got to be moving in the right direction. So, um, yeah. And we're seeing that. So that's a great thing. Well, definitely. I uh, appreciate you coming on today, Nicole. Oh, definitely. Any, uh, any, any, anything else you want to add before we get off? Um, no, that's all I have. Go Mavs. Oh, yeah. Y'all have looking good these last few weeks. <laughs> Indeed. Make sure to follow us on social media at Blog Access 101 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow our Facebook page at Blog Access 101. Also, we're doing a $100 giveaway challenge right now. Follow us on Instagram and follow the details for the $100 giveaway uh, qualifications. Also, don't, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by searching Blog Access 101. If you have an iPhone, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get our ratings up to get in the rankings board. And if you have Android phone, make sure you subscribe or follow on uh, Spotify or Google Podcasters and uh, view some of the videos. Thank you.